Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Today's episode of the podcast is sponsored by Portable Church Industries over at portablechurch.com. So I'm getting ready to plan a church again. And here's the deal. Uh, the most valuable resource you have is people. So the important thing to remember is it's worth making an investment in the people that are serving your team, your setup, your teardown, all of that. And Portable Church has actually made that a whole heck of a lot easier so that you're looking after your greatest resource your people. Make the setup and teardown of your church easy, logical, and play a game of Tetris when you're packing up and unpacking. And trust me, that will pay out dividends to your church plant in a way you never expected before. Again, head on over to PortableChurch.com. And remember, if we don't believe in it, we're not going to tell you about it. PortableChurch.com. Hey. All right. Hey, church planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. And you, unfortunately, have tuned into the Church Planner Podcast. Absolutely. Hey, I want to um, I want to also tell you guys if you want to see something kind of cool from our sponsor, they're not paying me to say this, but they've got a really cool resource going right now um, called Principles of Portability, and that is directly. Uh, I saw the email come through from Portable Church. They're like, hey, we got this resource. So I just want to give it a shout out because um, it's very practical. It's stuff like should you use a trailer or box truck to transport? Um, how much is it to have a padded chair? What's it worth to you? How many how many hands are you going to need to move stuff around every Sunday? I mean, it's it's practical stuff down to the letter. And I'm always paying attention to this stuff to what people don't tell you. And, you know, when I see information like this, I'm always a little bit excited about it. Like, 
hey, that's cool. You know, it's new. Um, I feel a little bit greasy because they're our sponsor. But literally, I would share this with you uh, no matter what. Um, it's called Principles of Portability. Go to go.portablechurch.com. You can download it. Cool. That was just a bonus thrown in for a sponsor. But no, actually, I, I, I was impressed with that. Pete Mitchell is my pastor. Wise <laughs> in the use of the force. He is. Oh, yeah, baby. That was your birthday present. It sure was. Not I the birthday present about, I was looking for, but, you know. No, it was not. But I sent you about 20 unwanted gifts wrapped in wave files. Plant or plant not, there is no trial. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, I man! I just figured you liked my 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 Miyagi so much. You know, he's 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 got it like this. Oh, the Miyagi one! I was just in tears the first time <laughs> I heard that. Literally in tears. I I would love to say that I have like funny stuff to share here in Smack Talk. I, th- this morning is such a rough morning for me, and normally this is when we have the good podcast in the morning. It is, but you know, it's kind of like me last week. I mean, I I really did not have a good week last week, and so you and I were, I think we're switching places, man. Now, oh is this gosh. just like physical old man body? It has to be. Morning? It has yeah. to be. Yeah. I didn't tell you this, but uh, I got strep throat again last week, dude. Hey, you know, normally you're like, I'm Pete Mitchell. I'm Karate Man. I never get sick. I I never had strep throat my entire life until six months ago (laughs) and then last week. And the doctor was like, what are you doing? Why why, why is this twice in six months? I'm like, I have no idea. Right. Give me some antibiotics. Normally, normally, uh, the extent of Pete's sympathy is something like this. He goes, uh, he goes, uh. Uh, you're sick again, man. I never get sick. <laughs> That's Pete's not, bedside manner. That's I don't say I important. never get sick, but dude, you are I'm always sick. I, you know what? Look at my life, man. That's that's. I never got as sick. Stress popping off. I never got as sick as I do now, and that's because I got two kids in school. I mean, they bring home every little bug in the world. It's just disgusting. Yeah, kids are little petri dishes, man. They sure are. Yeah, they sure are. And that's just that's just because they're eating their boogers all the time. I mean, never mind when they get around a bunch of other booger eaters and mm, booger mm-hmm. preach, brother. <laughs> oh man, so I don't I don't even know what good stories to share. I, I, there I are no good. I don't stories think there are. I don't think I have anything good. Nothing good to Neither share. Does the news, and you know what? That's okay because we're probably we probably just need to go under a topic today without a bunch of smack talk. I mean, oh, I you have a topic today? I do have a topic. What? I I think you're gonna wait, like wait, 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 this topic. wait. What? All right, there we go. <laughs> I want to hear the the antics. Bow, bow. What? <laughs> When you don't have good smack talk, rely on the soundboard. I'm not only the heck of president, I'm also a client. (laughs) I'm a Methodist. Oh, you want the whole thing? Here you go. Here's the whole thing for you.
I'm a Methodist. A we believe that the Lord is our Savior, and we remember Him by going to church and praising Him every Sunday. I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. We believe all the same things that you believe, but we go to church on Saturdays. What? <laughs> <laughs> Never gets old. Never gets old. The best so thing good. is, when we go to like conferences like Exponential... And there's always like one person, at least one person per weekend who will come up to us and be like, you know, talking to us because we're doing all the church planning. We'll be like, oh, yeah, well, uh, what group are you with? And then they kind of like sheepishly look side to side. Uh, I'm with the Seventh-day Adventist. <laughs> it's like without fail. And we just start laughing because we're like, hey, we got to show you a clip. <laughs> oh, man. So funny. But oh, dude! You know it's true. That always happens. It does. It actually does. Yes, and it is. It is very, very comical. Yeah, I do like such things. I've had a rough morning on technology, man. You know, I'm not a technology uh, uh, friend in any way. Technology is my servant. I master it. I dominate it, but it often rebels against me. And rises against my iron fist. And uh, I have a revolution on my hands. It's not playing up. I must soon beat it back into submission. But, uh, you know, become its tyrant. Shows who's who's the master. But uh, right now it's biting back. And, and I'm not pleased. Mm. Are they vacuuming there where you're at? Can you hear that? Like, seriously? There's like a conspiracy against this podcast, man. It doesn't matter. Like, if I'm at home. The gardener comes and leaf blows, and and if I'm if I'm at the church, back cave too, um, you know they, they they clean on the day I do the podcast at the hour outside my door they mm. vacuum right yeah. on cue yeah so and yes unfortunately they're gonna park the vacuum right there and walk away from it but leave it on they did that earlier in the hall and I came out and got some water and was like really but if I go outside. All the windows are open, and it's just—it's like a stereo speaker. This, this is windows. what you need to do. <laughs> you just need to stick your head out. Turn off the vacuum. <laughs> I know. If I come out, I guarantee you. If I come out, they'll say, "Oh, oh, sorry, sorry." So I'm just gonna walk away. See, walking what's, away now. What's funny is people don't. <laughs> the podcast listeners don't know the the backstory behind that. I was telling it yesterday in the Band of Brothers call, which is our. Our super private call for Bivo Inner Circle members, which you can find all about it, BivoInnerCircle.com. And I, I was mentioning that I went to uh, I went to this uh, movie, Mission Impossible, practically an empty theater. I, it was opening weekend, but I see like the 3D version, so that way there's not a ton of people there. And this guy is sitting in my row with this kid. And, you know, I mean, there's like five or six seats in between us. No one no one else sitting there. And then sporadic people throughout the theater. And uh, this guy cannot stop checking his phone. Those big old screens on your phone, everyone behind you can see your phone when you're, you're doing that stuff. Right. And, and this guy is like, he keeps checking it. And so finally, at one point, I'm like, dude, seriously, why are you using your phone? And I was, you know, I mean, that was aggressive, but it wasn't like over the top. And so he kind of right. slowed down and then he, he was trying to be a little bit more like, oh, you know, 
I'm yeah, I'm I'm trying to be more sly about it. And you could tell he's like reading his email. Like everyone can see his stinking phone, right? It's a dark room and then someone's using their their iPhone, you can see it. Right. And finally we're at like the crescendo of the movie. Everything is like happening and all the action and this guy is still checking his stinking phone. No way. That far into it? Oh, the whole movie. The whole and finally Oh my gosh. <laughs> finally what I turned to him. Cuz it's I like just gave him a biblical name. He's a Nimrod. I'm 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 like I want. I did not pay to look at your phone. I paid to watch the movie, and so I turned my head to him. And just as I start to speak, my blood is boiling, <laughs> and my volume just instantly went to like an eleven. And I just go, "Turn off your phone!" <laughs> just like, like a demon boy over here, dude. Phone went off so quick. Everyone was laughing because you know they were all annoyed by it too. And he did not turn it on the rest of the movie. And as the second the first credits came up, he took off. Like he was like grabbing his kid and running for the door. I don't know if he felt ashamed or like afraid I was going to say something more to him, but yeah, it was, it was pretty funny. Yeah. I'm not going to talk about mine. I, I, I did a little, I had a guy aggress on my Uh, wife. Yeah. In uh, in a parking lot, not realizing I was standing but two feet away from his car while he rolled down his window to berate my wife. And that didn't end well, but I'm not going to talk about it here. <laughs> <laughs> but but you are going to bring it up. I like that. I just, I'm just going to leave it there and say that did not end well for, for him. Yeah, I tell you, the thing that's just so scary is uh, it's, it's even dangerous to to defend people like that because you don't know, like in today's day and age, you don't know if they're carrying a weapon or they're going to flip out. He was, uh, he was uh, military military, and I'm guessing he probably did have a weapon. Now he was probably like a private. They don't trust him with anything outside. of. No, he was, I can tell you by the way he um, behaved and handled the situation afterwards. um, He was probably an officer. Oh, you think? Oh, I think so. Yeah, you know, he, that's, um, that's even worse, man. I come from a military family, and so he wants to aggress on my wife um, and, and act in a threatening manner until I knock on his window and say, excuse me, you want to aggress on a woman? How about you aggress on me? And then all of a sudden he wants to call the police. So I, uh, I talked to my family members like, oh, he was an officer. That's just MO for officers. Really? So, hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, bully, bully their way. And hey, we're not, officer, and we're not, we're not here to throw all officers under the bus. Just no, to be but, clear, you know, I, I, I threw all privates under the bus, but not the officers. Hey, Come on, my entire family is military. Like, at, like my my stepdad, my grandfather, my brother, like career military officers. You know, it, it's it's what I was raised with, and uh, my mom grew up on military bases. Like, it's just. You know, but there there is a mentality that uh, I'm going to do this and bully and throw it until all of a sudden I realize I can't bully people. And then I'm going to call the police. And, uh, you know, so it is just was a typical, typical move. So but most grunts would be like, oh, yeah, yeah. You want to go down, brother? <laughs> oh, you so, think I'm an ocean dude. I'm an ocean side. It, it is a marine and military town. It yeah. is not, you know, it's known for. You know, and yeah, you definitely don't want to mess with the wrong person. But yeah, when people aggress, when men 
well, that, that's anyone. I don't think it's just me. I think any male, someone aggresses on your wife, it, it pushes a button in you. And I acted in a way that... Yeah, you know, I, I've never seen that happen to my wife. I don't know right. what right. would happen if I saw that. Because, I, I mean, <laughs> the oh, guy I, really I pissed know, me I off turning on his doing. iPhone in the middle of oh. a movie. What would I, I do say, if you went I, after my I wife? no, no... Uh, illusion at all that you would you would that would not go down well and i and i think that's that's our call i mean yeah i i didn't act any in any way inappropriate and threaten him i didn't physically aggress on him well, you know the funny I thing just, is that the the part and and this is just kind of like a side note so people have been listening to the podcast for a while they know this about me i um I, I carry a firearm with me pretty much everywhere I go, especially when I go to church. <laughs> but um, and the first thought after I did that, I was like, oh, crap, dude. You know, what if this guy claims, oh, he was threatening me and he started waving a gun around? Like, people will say stuff. Of course. Not knowing that you actually have a gun. So right. now I'm immediately guilty. Right. Because he claimed I did something, and I actually have that on me. And I was like, I was freaking out the rest of the movie going, okay, how do I get out of here really quick? And then he took off. So I was like <laughs> stoked, right? I mean, he's like, pew! Because I was just thinking, I, I got to like, you know, take the back doors out. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't want someone claiming something about me. So, I mean, that's that's part of the, the fear that goes through my head. Like, I don't want to be aggressive with anyone because then they could turn around and say something that is a total right. lie. Right. But because I do have a firearm on me, the next thing you know, I'm guilty. Like you're guilty until proven innocent. It's not innocent until proven guilty. So, um, I don't you, know. You said that backwards, but that's the um, way it is in elementary school. They taught me different. It's actually the reason why if you get in my car now, so true, dude. I have it's a, so true. Uh, I have a camera that records what's happening in front and what's happening inside my car. And the whole reason, the whole reason I have that is I don't want people to claim things about me that aren't true. What what you're saying is it's kind of like the Bible and churches. We have this thing that says how it ought to be, (laughs) but what we find in reality is a very different story. Is that kind of where you're going with that? Dude, you know what? I am like looking at what's happening in our world and I'm sitting there going, so is this how it all ends? Like brother, that that's my topic today. Is it? That's literally, yeah. My topic literally today is the prophetic voice of the church in the world. Because right now, our, our newspaper headlines, everything, the way people are out, our, our social climate, um, the anger, the hatred. Look, it's not the first time America's been here. I mean, the 60s were particularly riotous and hate-filled. I mean, that that was probably America's second most tumultuous time, the first time being the Civil War. Um, but, you know, we have we have arrived at another boiling point as a country. I mean, we really, even during the, 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 the uh, war in Iraq, the war on terror, quote-unquote, um, you know, there was protests, but, I mean, it was nothing like what you see today. Well, and, not only that, and, but, like, you know, um, I was reading yesterday that, that China is training and doing simulations for attacks on America. Like yeah. they're, they're, they're looking at this going, these, they're literally training to attack America mainland. And I'm like, okay, we got a president who calls Omarosa a dog. 
Like he right. literally calls a woman a dog. Right. And his supporters are still backing him going, yeah, well she is. And I'm like, are you, what has happened? Like, right. oh my gosh, what has right. happened to this place? Right. I, I, oh my gosh, dude. No, you're right. I, I, you know, I don't speak out politically very often, but I did retweet Ed Stetzer <coughs> on that, where he just, he spoke, I think, prophetically into the situation. And by the way, I think when you speak prophetically, it's, it's not always, but it's often unpopular. And so for me, I think a lot of what guys think they're speaking, which is just anti-Republicanism, which I'm not a Republican or a Democrat, but it's very PC in church leader circles right now to bag on Republicans and to bag on Trump. And, you know, I don't, I don't, hey, there's a lot to bag on. Um, but some guys think I'm really speaking the heart of God. No, you're just speaking pro-Democrat now. Right. Yeah. And it's pretty easy to see through that you don't, you never said anything about Obama. Like, I just don't trust it. You know, like I'm not a, I'm not a Trump supporter. I'm not a Trump fan, but, but the reality is if you're truly going to be prophetic, it has to, has to be an equal offender. You know, it has to be kind of like South Park. You make everybody mad from time to time. And because that's how it works. I mean, uh, these same people that will say, I, I've noticed within leadership, um, church leadership, pop culture, they won't say anything that's not PC. Everything they say is kind of like, oh, you can get away uh, on the view with saying that. You know, the view would applause you. Um, Oprah's audience would applause you. But if you actually come out and say, like, everybody wants to talk about grace, I think it's all about grace. Why don't you say some of the things that Jesus said? Like, for example, right now we see the pedophiles. That is a move to normalize them. I will be at some point posting on this saying, Jesus said better to have a millstone tied around your neck than to hurt. Now, some people will be like, oh, you can't say that. That's mean and judgmental. No, those are the words of Jesus about hurting kids. And those are fighting words. And Jesus wanted to go down on the record saying, it's going to be a hot day in hell for you if you hurt kids. It is going to not go well with you. And he wants, I mean, Jesus wanted people to be afraid at times, right? Like there's, make no mistake, there are parts of your Bible that are scary and they're scary for a reason. And here we come along and go, hey, God, I'm going to help you out. I'm going to make you sound better to Fox and Friends or or to The View or to, to CNN or whoever it is, you know, Jerry Springer. I'm Lord, I want you to look good in front of these people. And Jesus is like, hey, they rejected me. If they rejected me and I'm your master, don't don't be surprised they're going to reject you. Um, it's just par for the course. But everybody wants to say things that are PC. And when I see that, I'm like, well, why don't you actually say what Jesus said? Because a lot of what Jesus said, it's not cool. And it doesn't float on the view. And it's not okay in PC circles. It's not okay conversation of polite dinner parties to talk about people going to hell or the day of judgment being more tolerant. And yet Paul stands in front of Agrippa. And when he's in front of Agrippa, he talks about judgment. He says he spoke about the kingdom of God, or he spoke about self-control, 
um, judgment and uh, the uh, was it kingdom self control, the righteousness of God and the judgment of God. So you're like, oh, <laughs> not really those three things. He's standing in front of Agrippa, and Agrippa says, "You almost persuade me to be a Christian," you know. And 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 Paul's like, "Hey, I, anyways, I'm 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 going on my ranty rant, my salty monologue." Mm. Yeah. No, I just think it's funny that uh, you were retweeting uh, Ed Stetzer, and uh, I think it's a. I think it's a very clear distinction between the two of us. I was retreating uh, Stephen King. <laughs> oh, I love Stephen King. I actually follow his tweets quite a bit. Well, this was his. Yeah. The President of the United States called a woman a dog. Let me repeat that. He called her a dog. Have we gotten so numb to Trump's ugly, demeaning talk that this means nothing? You might like her. You might not. But to call her a dog? Question mark. And I was like, yeah. Yeah. And, and yet the hypocrisy, this is the other thing, is the hypocrisy of people. So Stephen King is like dropping F-bombs on people and yada, yada, you know. He's saying all kinds of stuff. And I love Stephen King. Um, but he's his hands aren't, aren't clean. No, you know what I no, mean? and like, I'm not claiming they are. My, not, but he's not, not at the all. president either. And that's what, that's what I think he's, he's pointing yeah. out. That's, you know, to is, me, hey, but we, to me, that's the key thing. And, and it's like... Right. Like you said, and, and people who are new to the podcast, you and I are both actually in the same uh, uh, position that neither one of us are Republicans or Democrats. Right. And, um, you know, part of it for me comes back to why would I join any party that would be willing to have me as a member? <laughs> little, right. Little Mark Schumer there. No, uh. but uh, um, but no, I can't I can't stand either party. And, and I didn't vote for. Clinton or for uh, Trump this last election. I, I literally can't remember who I did you vote for. You voted Peyton for president, remember? I usually do a write-in because I can't stand, you know, whoever is running. I don't remember what I did this last time. I, I either did a write-in or like... I thought we agreed. Yeah. I was going to vote for you and you were going to vote for me. Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't. I, I'm pretty sure Peyton, I did not type in Peyton me. Jones. You're like that guy that goes, hey, let's jump on three. And you don't jump. Yeah, no, I just try to get you to jump. And then I watch you all the way down. <laughs> One, two, three. <laughs> Sucker. Yeah. No, and that's not to be like some, oh, I think Clinton would have been a better president for, you know, people who are on that side. That's not it at all. It's it's literally, I can't believe this is this is how the leader of our country is talking about people. And the problem is... I don't see the evangelical Christians out there like going, Hey, this isn't right. You know, what do they do? Well, it's better than Hillary. <laughs> I'm like, right. What? Wait hey, a second wait, here. Christians. But see, that's, that's where our loyalty lies with our political party. It annoys me yeah. on both sides. Yeah. It annoys me when I see the one sided blindness of more liberal Christians that, uh, conservative, I mean, um, Politically liberal. I'm not speaking to their theological um, liberality or conservatism. What what I'm speaking about is their political. That it's just it just gets old. It gets old. Like when are you guys going to start speaking for God? Like that's cool if you like ignore all the stuff that your party says that's against what God would say. But then you totally become the voice of God for 
um, you know, uh, for whatever your political party happens to maybe line up with, with the scripture on, um, then you become this amazing prophet mouthpiece um, speaking only what's PC. And I just, I get annoyed because I, I already think that Christian leaders tend to be posers anyways. So then when I, when I hear um, where people can't divorce, like the reason that I'm quiet a lot on political ideology is when I look at the scripture, you don't see Paul getting very politically involved. You also don't see Jesus getting politically involved. He doesn't really speak to the occupation of Rome. He doesn't, they say, hey, should we pay taxes? That was such a, a trap for mm-hmm. him. That was such a, a hornet's nest. And he goes, well, whose face is on? You know, he just, he kind of, he kind of just goes, well, if his face is on, it must be his. Give it back to him. He and, and then it says the people were astounded at his wisdom because they could not conf- confound him. So, uh, yeah, Jesus, but the real the real power in what he was saying there is whose image is that? And and they go, well, you know, render unto Caesar what is Caesar, and unto God what is God's, because they knew what he was referring to was we are made in the image of God, right? And we're not giving to God what we're supposed to be giving to him. That's why they were all confounded. It sounds like you had a really good Bible teacher once upon a time. I did. It wasn't you, though. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, yeah, that's exactly what it was. And, um, yeah, I mean, Jesus, you know, even with the, the, you know, they're like, hey, Lord, what do you think of Pilate? You know, they're bringing him the headlines. What do you think of Pilate mixing um, the blood of innocence with, uh, with the sacrifices, um, to, to Caesar. And, and he, he says, look, you know, oh, and what do you think of the tower? So they bring up these things and Jesus, what about this? And you can just picture Jesus is listening as they're throwing out these, Lord, what do you think of this? And he, again, he, he turns it back to a spiritual thing. You'll all likewise perish if you don't repent. Hmm. You'll perish in the same way. You know, you're heading for the same fate unless you repent. And and so, again, there's a prophetic sense. Like, nobody wants to be the drunk uncle at the party telling everybody to repent, uh, you know, at every stop, you know. Hey, did you like the movie? Well, movies are going to burn in hell, you know. Like, you don't want to be that guy. And Jesus isn't doing that. But what Jesus is doing is he's sidestepping the the whole kingdom now mentality that this this world is our home and this is the kingdom and we got to take it back because I remember for the Jews politics was very much like it was for Americans this is God's country right that's yeah. what it was they were God's nation yeah and you'll hear that in American evangelical Christian we need to return this nation back to God we were never a theocratic kingdom right and and when you look at it Jesus starts talking about the kingdom of God is here and he's referring to his own rule. And like you said, he's saying, have you rendered unto God with his gods, your soul, you have the imprint, the image of God on you. You need to give me your soul. And people didn't and they don't. And you see so often, even the disciples were caught up in this whole mentality of let's, let's make Jesus king. No president, but Jesus. Jesus for president, you know? And and Jesus is like, that's not what I'm here for. My kingdom is not of this earth, not of this world. Now, Paul writes in the New Testament that we must 
be good citizens so that we testify more strongly of the kingdom we belong to, right? So um, when Paul's writing in the pastoral epistles, he's telling them, and same with all the epistles, you know, work hard, work in Corinthians unto God, not unto your master, work it with your eye on God. For you work to him, your work glorifies him. So all of that, you become a better servant, you become a better employee, you become a better father, husband. That's not the kingdom that you serve. You're you're testifying of the citizenship you have in heaven when you do that. So, um, but the prophetic voice, um, this is one thing that that I think... Wait, wait, wait. Doc? Great Scott, it's time for this week's... Let's get down to the nitty-gritty. <laughs> Only 30 minutes in. <laughs> and, and we've really been going at it for the last 10 anyway. Yeah. So so here's the deal, right? I mean, the prophetic voice of the church really, um, I think we've lost this. I think that there was a time where the church spoke prophetically into the culture, prophetically into the situation. I, I, I think of a few people on 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 my hands who spoke prophetically into the church and the world um i think that walter martin was one of those guys um the news would get a hold of walter martin whenever there was particularly in the 70s uh and 80s um giant cult mass suicides or massacres he would go on there he would also go on things like the god channel you know tba and all those and he would speak into those which um, they would usually regret having him on. You can go on YouTube and find the recordings are funny as heck um, because they don't know what to do with him when he's on there because he really he has nothing that he needs from them. He's he, th- this is the thing is the prophetic voice, the prophets. When you study the prophets and I'm going through the prophets right now since I got back to America, the prophets have become very dear to me. Because when you go into um, uh, the you know the uh, the history of Israel was before destruction, God sends them prophets, but they're highly religious in, in northern Israel. So you remember at that time the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, Israel splits in two after Solomon uh, dies. He has two. He has a son named Jeroboam, and Rehoboam is. The, the foreman who manned all these, who took the helm of all the, the great building projects that Solomon was a part of. And Rehoboam stages a rebellion. He's got the hearts of most of the men and women. And so, uh, it was rocky under David's rule. So things were unsettled. And then once Solomon, you know, he's going after foreign gods, yada, yada, Rehoboam says, Hey, everybody check it out. I've got the true, um, religion here. And of course, we have um, the Kabbalah and all that stuff today, which is a, a form of Jewish idolatry, um, a, a merge of idolatry from that time. Actually, um, the Kabbalah—it's—it's um, it's a Jewish, it's a form of ancient Jewish idolatry from that time period. And so Rehoboam kind of goes out from that and says, "Hey, you know, everybody, follow me." And the kingdom splits in two, and. Um, as that happens, the northern kingdom is idolatrous. And so a lot of the prophets come in and say, hey, you know, uh, the ten tribes went to um, northern Israel. One of those being the Levites that were spread evenly. 
but there were only two tribes, and that was Benjamin and um, Judah. So the southern kingdom be called came called Judah. I know it's a lot of potted history for you guys. If you don't know your Bible that well, um, the prophets, the Old Testament prophets, they split into two. Really, there were prophets to Judah and prophets to northern Israel. Ephraim was the capital city of northern Israel. Ju- Jerusalem was the capital city of Judah. And so you just have it called Judah, but Benjamin's there too. Remember, Paul is from the tribe of Benjamin. And then Judah is what Jesus came through, and the Levites were the priests. Those are the only three tribes that actually survived um, the Old Testament um, exile into Babylon. The, the, the other tribes got assimilated into um, uh, intermarrying uh, with those peoples. And so when you hear of the Samaritans, that's what a Samaritan was. A Samaritan was a leftover interbred northern Israel, the majority of the tribes, mixed with pagans. So that's what a Samaritan was. That's why in the in the New Testament, the Jews hate them so much because it's what they almost were. It's it's and then they began to judge on them like they were the bad ones because they were an idolatry. So when God comes to them, they had this weird Jewish mix of religion between Hebrew and idolatry. And when I've come back to America, all I keep thinking is we're like northern Israel. That's exactly what we are. We're like this 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 nation that says we believe in God and we believe in the God of the Bible, but we do whatever in the flip we want. We like it's rampant in churches that if somebody's dating in churches, they're sleeping together. You could just you could just pretty much count on. Right. If, if, if there's adults dating, they're just they're shacking up. Right. I think it would be, you know, one in a thousand that you would find a couple dating in the church that aren't shacking up. Right. Um, you, I know this is really depressing. Pornography, um, the, you know, the, the, the grasp on the truth, um, the willingness to compromise with other religions, we saw it in the last president. Oh, he's a Mormon. He's a Christian. Like we, we have become northern Israel. Anything goes. We can do whatever we want and still claim to be Christian. And if you read the prophets, that's where God comes in and goes, um, no, I, I don't buy it. Right? You guys have convinced yourselves you're a Christian nation. I don't buy it. You know, and that's where God starts speaking into him. He goes, you say this, same with Jeremiah, you read Jeremiah and he goes, you say, surely the Lord is with us. Yet you spread yourself out under every green tree, like a prostitute with other gods. And so this is heavy stuff. I know, but I think that the church has a responsibility to speak prophetically into our world right now. One of the guys who does that extremely well is Tim Keller. So uh, this is where I want to get to the practical part now. What is the church's role in this? What should the church be? How should the church be speaking? Well, the church should be speaking to the church and the church prophetically, just like the prophets did. They would turn to the church. And then if you notice, like Isaiah, he speaks to the nations as well. Um, and prophets do this. Jeremiah would go and he would speak to the king of Egypt. He would speak to the king of Judah. He would speak to um, wherever he was. He speaks both to the world and to the people of God, right? 
And so there's a sense in which um, the, the church has this duty to speak to both. And so, you know, like I said, throughout church history, you had guys like John Knox, Martin Luther, um, John Calvin, um, the list goes on and on, William Booth, uh, William Wilberforce, Wilberforce, the guy that abolished slavery, Martin Luther King Jr. These are guys that they were able to speak to the, to the powers, to the, to the world itself and communicate the heart of God, which by the way, was not PC claptrap. Um, these guys said things that were unpopular. And by the way, almost every single one of the guys that I mentioned either got assassinated, killed, or lived in hiding for the majority of their lives, much like the Old Testament prophets. And there's a reason for that. See, but people think, oh, it sounds sexy to be a prophet, but nobody wants to live like the prophet. It's kind of like it sounds cool to say, I'm missional, I'm a missionary, but nobody wants to live like a missionary. I've lived like a missionary. Nobody wants to live like a missionary. And so when we're looking at this, um, we got to ask, what does it look like to be a prophet? And I'm going to, I'm going to shut up for a minute. Um, Pete, so you, can, I'm on my rant, man. Sorry. I don't, I don't know what else to say. So, well, I, come on, join in. You have thoughts. I, I don't have apparently good enough thoughts. <laughs> yeah, you do. Come on. Speak, speak to me, angel of music. I, I don't. Yeah, I got no thoughts, man. Well, what what do you think? Am I am I too extreme? Am I too? Because you know, I'm I'm ranting right now. Am I you know? Am I too extreme? Am I wrong? Am I you know? Give me give me the give me the counterbalance. You think I'm going too far? Are you wrong in what regards? You're just basically stating history. <laughs> so oh, I'm yes, your history, history is I'm off. We're like yes. I'm well. No, I no 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 no. We I don't think it is too far to say that because. We've gone off the rails. We've gone off the yeah. rails as a church. We've gone off the rails as a country. I mean, I, I mean, I can't say. I don't think it's fair to say that everyone who's dating in the church is having sex. Um, no, it's not fair. Not not as a blanket statement, but certainly morality is not seen the same way. Right. I mean. I remember uh, years ago, back when I had a job, this is actually either, you know, I think it was probably during college. Um, and this one gal who was working there was, you know, supposedly a, a devout Christian. And she always listened to her Christian CDs on the way into work. And, and she started dating some guy. And, and I think he was more Christian than her in the sense that, I remember a conversation with her and she's like, Oh yeah, you know, he brought up, well, you know, we can't be staying in the same room or something like that. And she's like, well, no, it's about time for us to start having sex or something like that. And I was like, Oh, you're one of those kind of Christians, <laughs> you know, like I'm just going to pick and choose what I want out of Christianity, which is not right. to say that like I am without blame in any aspect of I'm picking and choosing out of Christianity. I think the difference for me is I've always known when I was doing something that God would not be pleased with. Right. And I chose to do it anyway. Like, Here's, but yeah, her, her mindset was, eh, you know, like God wasn't right. Th there was no thought process there. And I right. think we see that in church a lot where it's, you know, people are just like, it, they're not, 
looking at what they're doing in regards to would God be pleased with this or not pleased with this. It's like, right. no, no, I got this Christian thing over here. I go to church on Sunday. Right. But that's it. Like it doesn't invade the that's rest of their what life. I'm saying. That's what I'm saying is we're, we're in a time where there's, it's a lot of the stuff like, like, for example, I, I just know as a pastor, like I know, I know, um, a lot of people's secrets. I, I learn them over time. And, um, you know, so maybe for me, I'm a little jaded, but I also know that when it comes to the hypocrisy, this is what the world will point out. And, and I often, when I read this stuff, it's not nasty. They're just hearing us making stands on morality and they're going, yeah, but we don't see it with you guys. Like you say that, but you guys are ripping people off, which by the, by the way, in Isaiah, the prophets are talking about that stuff. James quotes it. Hey, the wages, you know, the, 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 the workers in the field, they're, they're, they're crying out against the wages. You don't pay them. Like there's all this crap in, in the, in the prophets where Isaiah saying, you know, just like where he goes, he showed me what is good and what the Lord requires of you, oh man, to, to do justly, to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. He's calling them saying those three simple things you're just not doing. And so in the, in the, in the New Testament, Paul comes out and says that he quotes the Old Testament again. He says, for your, my name is blasphemed among mm. the Gentiles because of you. Yeah. And Paul quotes that from the Old Testament because what will happen is right now, like I read a beautiful quote by Tim Keller and I was saying he speaks prophetically. He breaks it down beautifully into a, um, a, uh, a quote where he basically said this. He said, um, you know, when sex is on the table without cost, that is consumer sexuality. Consumer sexuality says, I like what is on offer and I, I don't value it enough for a long-term investment or commitment. But if the price is right, meaning minimal investment, I will consume that sexual act. And he says, and what that does is it divorces the person from their sexuality, whereas the Bible attaches sexuality to the soul, to the actual person itself. And he says, so what happens is when when the Bible equates sex and marriage together, it's saying this is a part of the worth of that person, what they can offer sexually. And he goes, and when it becomes uh, attached to the value of that person, Sex becomes not cheap, but priceless because it involves a commitment of that entire person for the rest of their existence. And he says, and that's a richness. So anyways, he talks about that and the way he put it was way better. I'm just summing it up. But the way Keller is amazing. There's a reason that guy's books hit the New York Times bestseller list because he's able to write in his book, Reason for God. That was a prophetic word to this generation where he challenges them. R.C. Sproul was able to do this as well. He has a book called Not a Chance. Now, some of these are apologetics, um, but you'll often find other books that are not apologetic that can also speak prophetically to a generation. I think, and, and I'm going to take a lot of flack for this, but The Shack. The Shack had a lot to say. Now, I don't agree with all of the theology of The Shack. I think The Shack is, is guilty at many points of you know minimizing... Um, gospel truth, some of it being the wrath of God. Some, it has it in there, but it's a, it's a, 
it's a very, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, there are things that have been surgically removed out of the gospel that make it not quite as prophetic of a tool as it could have been had the whole uh, gospel. That's why you hear like the guys, I'm a full gospel preacher because there is a full gospel and it involves a lot of things you don't want to hear. And the shack kind of took out all of the things that, that you don't want to hear. So I'm not endorsing the theology of the shack. I also don't think it's as bad as people uh, say it is on certain points, but I'm not a big uh, banner waving shack lover, but I think it hit on certain things. I won't throw the baby out with the bathwater. It hit on certain things that were very prophetic to this generation. But that said, here's the deal. Um, when you have Keller saying that, I saw a post on Facebook and I immediately saw people saying, I get that, but I don't see Christians living that way. Mm. I see Christians living exactly like me who say they believe that, but their lifestyle says the opposite. It says that they actually believe like me. And, and that's what we're dealing with right now is the world is not stupid. They, they believe, I, I think a lot of people hear Christian ideology and go, that's really beautiful. That's, I, I think that's amazing. I wish that were true, but it's like DC Talk said years ago. Um, Toby Mac. Are you seriously statement. quoting DC Talk? Oh, dude, from like the eighties. <laughs> yo, yo. <laughs> wow. I've, I have a nine-year-old who's like a raving Toby Mac fan, and I am not a Toby Mac fan at all, but I respect him. I do respect him. I appreciate what he does, um, but it's not my type of music. You know that, and it's not um, It's just not what I'm in, but she's nine, and she loves it, dude, and I'm, I'm more power to her for it. I'm, I'm very thankful to what Toby's done, but here's the thing is um, he made the statement. He said um, what he goes, it's not that Christ- or non-Christians don't believe what we're saying. It's that they see what we say we believe, and then they watch how we live, which contradicts it. And he goes on to say, and that's what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. Right. Right. And that, that's such a powerful statement. I know I butchered it. But the church prophetically needs to speak like Keller into what, needs to be what should be while also calling the church to how it ought to live. Right. And then Jesus did that. I mean, when you look at Jesus, he was able to look at the people in the world and speak prophetically about their return to God. That's what prophets always do. They're always, they always rebuke, but it always has hope at the end. And so if I were speaking prophetically to America, I would be able to have laced into my message what would happen if they return to God as a people, right? Like that famous verse, we love these passages that give the hope, right? We don't like to chastise, but we pretend that stuff's not even there, right? Uh, we don't read the Old Testament prophets because we don't like getting to the chastise, getting through the chastisement part to get to the hope part. But when you read like, um, the scriptures that say, if my people who are called by my name will humble my, like, that's a, that's a promise. That's a prophetic promise. If you return to me, um, and you, you do this. And of course it was linked to the temple, but we have one greater than the temple among us. Um, that promise is still good. If Christ is the fulfillment of the, of the, of the temple, that is still a, if we return. But I, I'm also convinced, Pete, that, um, we're awash 
in a generation of Christians that don't pray and don't read their Bibles. Like, I don't think they even know what the heart of God is. I read the Bible to know the heart of God, right? And it says things I don't like, and it says things I really like. And the heart of God is not, God says, you you thought I was altogether like you. You thought I think like you, but my ways are not your ways. My highs, my ways are as high as the heavens above planet Earth. So are my ways above your ways. Like, we, we don't know that. We're like, God, let me help you out. Like Bono said, Bono said, stop helping God across the street like a little old lady. He doesn't need our help. He doesn't need, oh, God, we'll help you across this culture. God's going, just get out of my way. Just let me do my, just preach my gospel. Say what I've said. You know, it'll make people uncomfortable sometimes. It'll give people great hope at others, and they need both. You know? I feel you, dog. I'm spent. <laughs> that was a big rant. <laughs> so you, you wound yourself up and, and let yourself go. I did, man. I did. Yeah. No, I get it. I get it, and I, I think it's a shame. And I, I mean... For me, what it all comes, well, it doesn't all come back to this, but it's the problem that we're facing is Christianity. And this has been the premise of the podcast for the last four years. Christianity in America has become consumerism. It's become uh, a big show, you know, and and I'm going to go to this church and if they're not entertaining enough, I'll find another church that is. But when you get out there on the front lines and you're active, church becomes yeah. fun. And it's a completely yeah. different yeah. gig than sitting and being served. You know, um, the big show, right? I mean, that's what that's what church has become is the big show. And we're seeing, my gosh, man, we're just seeing mega church after mega church crumble like, like nobody's business. But it's not yeah. just the mega church too that's crumbling. It's right. all these little churches that are closing up shop. And a big reason why they're closing up shop is they're trying to duplicate what they see at the mega church. Right. Instead of getting people on the front lines, it's still the consumerism. It's still the let me put on a good show. And if the band's not good enough, we'll get a better drummer and and we'll get a, a, a better lead singer. And, and maybe if we put some lasers and some fog lights in here, you know, we could really do up the service. Right, we're trying to create. We're trying to create a movie theater. Well, it's funny because even the the Old Testament, like I said, the Old Testament prophets for me are rich right now because even that, like, God's talking about, like, He's like, oh, you dress yourself up in bangles and you know um, adornments, and you think you'll make yourself attractive, and what you don't realize is you're exposed and naked. Like, this is God speaking to His church, His Old Testament church, about their worship, and He's like. But it doesn't like you're naked and exposed like this. Th there was an element of this in reaching the unreached. I was laughing the other day at that transcript where we were talking about it. We, I think we spent two episodes talking about it. You're like, I'm 14 beers from that chapter right now. Oh, is that <laughs> what that comment meant? I totally yeah. forgot. Yeah, because yeah, you were you were reading my book and you're like, I got to read a beer or two before I or drink a beer or two before I read a chapter on that. And uh, it was funny. But the, the reality is that, um, you know, even even there, like that, that's the culture we're in is is in God talks about. He says, you go out and you commit all this uncleanness and then you come in and he says, 
and you offer sacrifices and you say, surely the Lord is pleased with us. And I think somehow we've gotten back into that mentality that I go and I sing songs to God on Sunday and, and I'm cool. It doesn't matter that I'm, I'm shacking up with my boyfriend. It doesn't matter. And in the Old Testament, God's going, knock it off. Even in the Old Testament, like, like there are scary passages. And I know, like, because I've spent so long in the reform movement that I know when it comes to these passages, like, we don't know what to do with those in the reform camp. It's like, it's like, you know, where it says, you know, except to say, oh, well, they must not be safe people. Well, no, the Bible, the Bible doesn't say, oh, by the way, unsafe people, this part's scary. So this is totally for you. Hey, church, don't worry. This, this passage isn't for you. And people will try to wrongly divide the word of truth to mean like, but there's those patches like, you know, if we continue to sin after, you know, no sacrifice for sins is left for those who have trampled the son of God underfoot. Like what he's saying is you can't just say that you place your faith in Christ and then just go on living this grossly immoral lifestyle. And again, guys, like this is, maybe this is where I get prophetic because my prophetic nature comes out when I write. And, you know, there's kind of like this jealousy. Like I remember writing and reaching and reach. I've got a, a chapter in there about holiness in every book. Even Church Zero had a, a chapter on holiness that, that holiness to me is about effectiveness, right? It's about power. It's about, um, where Paul says to Timothy, cleanse yourself of the latter. Any man who does this will be, um, complete for every good work. You know, he'll be effective. Um, and, and so as I look at these things and, and Paul talks about that, you know, he, he, there's a, I, I spent a whole chapter on this, that there's a sense in which, um, purifying yourself and, and sanctifying yourself, um, it, it, it's, it, it has a powerful effect. Like Robert Murray Machine said, he said, a holy minister is a, ter- is an awful weapon in the hand of God. Like, and he meant that good, like terrible, like awe-inspiring, like, like formidable weapon in the hands of God. And, and, and you see that. You see that with people who set themselves apart. You see it with Chuck Smith. You see it with, um, Billy Graham. You see it. You, you look at them and you go, where did that power come from? It came from these guys seeking the face of God. And consecrating themselves to him. And we've lost that. And we don't even have a, I write that stuff in my books because I, I read a lot of old school, um, stuff that was from times of revival, like the Wesleys, like Spurgeon, like, you know, all this old school stuff where they knew what it was to be visited in power by God. And, you know, like it says in the Old Testament, God, why don't you go out with our, our armies anymore? You know, like, um, you know, that's, that's someone reading the Old Testament. It was one of the, the, the psalmists going, I'm reading what you used to do, God. Why don't you do that anymore? And I read this stuff and there was a theology that was there and robust in the church and it had to do with sanctification and the link to missional effectiveness. And so I'm jealous for that because I want to see this world come to faith but i it's like when you're on a soccer team and you're looking at the other have you ever been on a sports team when the sports team is mad at each other and they're like going dude come on you know like they're looking at the goalie going where were you you know they're looking at the the quarterbacks looking at the offensive line going 
dude, guys, come on. I'm getting sacked here. You know, like do, do your follow the plays. Come on. I've, I've been in team sports and I, 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 there's times where that's what you feel as the army of God is like, come on, guys, stay, stay your post. We got to fight together. Right. And, uh, and, and there's that sense in the scripture. And like I said, I knew this was going to be an unpopular podcast because the prophets, they all died for a reason. They all got stoned to death or thrown to wild animals or Isaiah was sawn in half. I mean, you know, there's a reason these guys died grisly deaths. Nobody, nobody really wants the prophet, but there you go. I feel you, dog. <laughs> Sorry, dude. I'm just salty today. So let me ask you, when you're a prophet and you're busy being prophetic, who helps you with your church? Who helps oh, you with pay profit? Okay, so I had a dream prophet um, named Jeff, and he did our church finances. But did he really? You're not going to find Jeff. He did. You're not going to find Jeff, though, anywhere. Guys, Jeff is not for sale. If you want someone to do your finances, you need to go to simplifychurch.com. They'll do your bookkeeping. They'll do your IRS compliance. They'll do all kinds of magical things. They'll even do your laundry. Simplifychurch.com. <laughs> Josh Henry is going to be like, why do they keep asking me where they should drop off their laundry? <laughs> <laughs> where do I mail my darks? Do you? Do I need to separate my lights from my, my whites? Simplifychurch.com. When you don't have your own Jeff. Or a washing machine. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, guys, this has been a very salty Church Planner podcast. Um, I would say, give a disclaimer that the views expressed today do not necessarily, uh, but they do. So thanks for joining us today. Uh, this has been Peyton Jones and Pete Mitchell reminding you, if you want to reach the ones nobody's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. I used to have more friends before I got into church planting. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Church Planner Magazine.